Welcome to the Business of Innovation podcast, featuring in-depth stories from innovators within leading local and global organizations, brought to you by the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub at the Clemson University MBA. Lee Gill, I want to welcome you to the Business of Innovation podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Gail. Appreciate the invitation. It's great to yeah. see you. Yeah. And um, you are the Chief Diversity Officer for Clemson University. Correct. And I'm uh, really pleased to sit down with you and, and talk more about that, how you came to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like most uh, things, serendipity has a great deal to do with it. Um, Prior to coming to Clemson, I was at the University of Akron Mm -hmm. in Akron, Ohio, uh, LeBron James territory. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were doing some phenomenal uh, initiatives uh, and programming there. And one day the phone rung, and it was a person uh, who wanted to discuss with me an opportunity at Clemson. And I uh, begun that conversation with, first off, wanting to make sure I knew exactly where Clemson was located. Uh, you know, I've heard that's of... That's not good. I know, that's not good. Uh, the only thing, quite frankly, I had known about Clemson was that uh, they had played Notre Dame in a football game a couple of years prior. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up in South Bend, Indiana, I tend to root for Notre Dame when they're not playing Michigan, since mm-hmm. I'm a Michigan grad. And... Uh, Unfortunately, during that football game, I was actually rooting for Notre Dame against Clemson. Oh, my. And Clemson actually won, and that's <laughs> good. a good thing. And uh, But once I started talking to the leadership team here, they flew me down. I met with the leadership team. I met with the search committee. And I just began to, quite frankly, um, do a lot of research on Clemson. Sure. And what inspired me was the fact that it was Clemson the desegregated higher education in South Carolina. It wasn't Furman, it wasn't USC, it was Clemson Mm -hmm. in 1963. Mm -hmm. And so I said to myself, if I uh, can be at a place that I firmly believe it's in our Mm -hmm. DNA, in Mm -hmm. Clemson's DNA, to take a leadership role in this diversity conversation on a national level, I said that's where I want to be. And certainly when you meet our president and mm-hmm. some of our other leaders, our provost and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't help but come away with saying that's where I want to be. So that's what got me to Clemson. When I think overall about the role of a chief diversity officer, mm-hmm. um, I think to some degree I was, it was inevitable. Um, being an undergrad at Michigan, I was very engaged and involved in, in student uh, initiatives. Mm-hmm. I had a fantastic mentor. Uh, by the name of Dr. John Lockhart, uh, who taught in Michigan for 42 years. And he kind of took me under his wing, and and uh, along with uh, three or four other uh, fellows, uh, friends of mine still. And uh, I had this kind of social justice, uh, wanting to be engaged in uh, helping other students succeed. Mm-hmm. And so somehow it all kind of came into being, and, and that's how I got into diversity work. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely hearing a passion and a love for it that goes way back. Um, what do you love most about what you get to do now? I love uh, I, the interaction with students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing students uh, when they first come in and they're freshmen, and then to be able to see them four years later mm-hmm. and walking across the graduation stage. I love seeing that. Mm-hmm. I often say to my staff, 
we don't produce the we don't produce a product but I encourage them to go to graduations. Yes. And when you go to graduation, you realize that your product, if, it, if you will, is the fact that students are succeeding, mm-hmm. that they're, you're creating um, opportunities for them to have different lives. Mm-hmm. And I've often worked with many of the students I've worked with are first-generation students. And uh, to see them, as I said, from the beginning to walking across that stage is a dynamic feeling for me. Absolutely. And you uh, mentioned that the provost and the president and you're seeing this this same kind of passion run through um, our top leaders. Absolutely. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, um, doing uh, diversity work is, Mm is, I think, uh, a calling as to how you work with organizations Mm -hmm. to build inclusive organizations. How do we ensure that everyone within our organization, faculty, staff, and students, that they're contributing at their highest level, that they're they're living up to their potential, mm-hmm. and that you're creating an environment for them to be able to do that. That starts with leadership at the mm-hmm. top. Yeah. If you don't have leadership at the top and uh, you're trying to move an organization forward as it, mm-hmm. as it relates to being inclusive, um, the challenge is, is more difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, quite frankly, we're, uh, we're lucky um, uh, to have uh, leaders uh, like our provost and our, and our president who, who have an understanding of what it means for a young person who's first generation. Mm-hmm. Jim Clements, as you well know, is first generation yes. uh, uh, himself. Um, and he understands that we want to create an environment where other first generation students can have the same success. Mm-hmm. I'm first generation, mm-hmm. and I know how this can impact your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the first one in my family to, to go to college. I was the first mm-hmm. one to graduate. And uh, now I look at my family tree, and all of my sons, I have two sons, uh, they're graduates. All of my cousins are college graduates. It changed the entire trajectory of the Gill family. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a ripple effect, and that stems from leadership. And uh, I'm so glad to be a part of this leadership team. Absolutely. And we certainly are appreciative of all that you are doing. And I want to talk more about that. I did want to ask you about, um, we've talked about what you love. What are some of the challenges that you faced? Uh, Some days are more uh, challenging than others. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're working through an organization, um, there's competing competing agendas. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are different priorities within an organization. Uh, and you have to learn how to navigate those competing agendas. And as is with any organization, mm-hmm. higher education or, or business, uh, the business world. And so sometimes that can be challenging. You can't, you can't have all of the pie. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have to play well in the sandbox. Yes. You have to uh, understand that you, you are only as good as how well you're able to collaborate and partner with other people within the organization. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you will have the same mission in mind, mm-hmm. um, but, but uh, you're having competing uh, circumstances, and often some of those competing circumstances can, can be challenging. Mm-hmm. There's a second part to this. The second part, doing diversity work, is that something can happen on the national scene. Any incident, 
that happens on a national level can impact your campus. Mm -hmm. So that you could leave on a Monday and feeling good about all the accomplishments and what your departments are doing and, and uh, what the students are doing, and something on the national scene can happen. And that can set your campus back. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to deal with those kinds of issues. I'll give you a prime example. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who happens to uh, be the chief diversity officer of Papa John's. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I think one day she went home and, and uh, came back to work and there was a big fiasco. Mm -hmm. And that fiasco created problems within the organization. So often those kinds of national um, issues can create challenges for you within your organization. Right, and you yeah. have to regroup and rethink and uh, go back out there and Absolutely. keep working for the cause. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, what is your what is your most proud moment? What do you feel most proud about in your career? And I know there's a lot. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot, and one p mm -hmm. thing particularly comes to mind for me in, in terms of what I know of your work, but would you talk about that some? I think, uh, and I thought about this uh, <laughs> on my way here, um, seeing... Um, young folks increase their ability to graduate from college. Mm -hmm. um, that is most important to me. So for example, uh, we started here in South Carolina at Clemson, um, the Men of Color National Summit. And the focus of the Men of Color National Summit, while it's a great event, mm -hmm. uh, so large that we have to host it at our TD Convention Center, mm -hmm. Um, the real rubber meets the road in our high school cohort called Tiger Alliance. Mm -hmm. And now we're going into our fourth year, and, and there's over 400 young people in that Tiger Alliance. Mm -hmm. start, we start working with them in the ninth grade. They're first-generation students. Many of them have had no, um, uh, no experience with someone in higher education. Mm -hmm. And to take them from the ninth grade and then they graduate from high school, first off, mm -hmm. increasing the graduation rate in South Carolina. And then secondly, they enroll in a college or a university. That's my most proudest. So, so to, I, I love to see young folks who did not know what their career aspirations were going to be, mm -hmm. did not know even if they were going to college, mm -hmm. did not know anyone who'd ever gone to college. Mm -hmm. And all they knew was their small community, homogeneous, thinking that they were going to do something and they didn't know what that something was. Mm -hmm. And now they have a whole new focus on life and a whole new reason. And those are selected by, um, those are selected for the Tiger Alliance to be members. Is that how you do it? Absolutely. Okay. And, and Tiger Alliance students are selected by their principals and wow. counselors within their high schools. Nice. So we are in nine high schools mm -hmm. throughout the upstate. Mm -hmm. And uh, the counselors and the principals select who those students will be. And there's on this criteria. Mm -hmm. Part of the criteria is that they have to have a 2.5 GPA. Mm -hmm. um, they have to have good attendance. Mm -hmm. They have to have good conduct. Mm -hmm. um, I got to be honest with you, Gail, we, we kind of give leeway on that yeah. 2.5 yeah. because sometimes you cannot measure grit. Yeah. You might run across a student that has a 2.2 mm -hmm. and you see that gleam in their eye. Mm -hmm. You hear them talk about what they want to do with their futures mm -hmm. and you say, let me give a little on that. Yes. So we have a number of students who have less than 2.5, sure. but by the time they graduate, they're graduating with three twos and three fours yeah. four years later. Okay. So 
you begin with a, mm-hmm. a, a set of criteria, but ultimately uh, you can't measure grit mm-hmm. and where a person might really want to take themselves. Mm-hmm. And so you have these nine different high schools, mm-hmm. and that's what I, when I've, I've been to Men of Color. Yes. And, and so those are the individuals that are showing up at Men of Color. Correct. Some of them are, are being recognized there, yes, they I are. believe. And, and so they're nine different high schools, and about how many? You said 400? Yes. From yes. those nine. Yes. So they come in, and they get to experience that event and hear speakers. Absolutely. And, be, uh, and they may be anywhere from the ninth to the twelfth grade. That's correct. During that period. Okay. And they get to hear speakers and be inspired. I remember coming, and there was not a dry eye in the yeah, house. Yeah, that's true. At the particular that, time I was Including my there. eyes, by the way. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I right, was yeah. like, this is not like anything I've yeah, ever seen absolutely. before. So, I mean, you have really reached those tentacles to get down into absolutely. high schools absolutely. and really start getting that pull yeah. started yeah. for individuals that, yes. that's incredible. Yes. I, I wasn't sure how that worked. And the Men of Color event is literally the kickoff for the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So while the Men of Color is the big event that you see, we're working with these students all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. We have ambassadors. Uh, we have over 25 ambassadors that go into the schools mm-hmm. during the course of the week, uh, go there for lunch hour, go there for after-school programs. Right. They become friends yeah. uh, with our high school students. Mm-hmm. They learn about their challenges. They learn about their family lives. Yeah. The students themselves can pick up the phone, uh, use technology, text, uh, email. Mm-hmm. And so they're remaining in constant contact. Also throughout the year, we bring them to Clemson's campus sure. during the summer, almost like a summer bridge program, yes. and immerse them in our seven colleges. Mm-hmm. Uh, they learn about new career opportunities. Mm-hmm. After all, Clemson has one of the best career centers in the country. They do. In yeah, fact, they're they number do. one. They could, and so yes. they learn about new careers, new opportunities. Mm-hmm. They learn about the business school. They learn about the engineering school. Mm-hmm. They learn about different initiatives and thoughts, uh, ideas that they've never thought about. Yeah. And so that encourages them all throughout the year. So all 400 come in in the summer. Correct. And and have an agenda program set up for them, and they stay probably... um a week. A week? A week. What a rich experience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So they stay in dorms for a week. They stay in the dorms That's so they beautiful. experience a college-going culture. Yes. What does it mean to be in college? Yeah. What does it mean to wake up early, uh, go to class, yeah. uh, have responsibilities, have expectations mm-hmm. uh, set on you? They kind of really get a sense of what that's all about. That's wonderful. Yeah. They have to go home changed. Yes. After yes. that week experience. Absolutely. And their families go home. And when they do come home, their families are changed yeah. by the experiences that these young folks have had. I have no yeah. doubt yeah. about it. What's your role? What do you do that during the summer? Uh, my role is uh, first to bring all those individuals together and to hire the right people, quite frankly. Yes. Uh, How do that, you choose the 25 ambassadors? Those are chose, frankly, by by individuals who work within our Tiger Alliance program. Mm-hmm. We have an associate director of Tiger Alliance, um, and they put out a the clarion call, if you will. Mm-hmm. They actually interview. Uh, mm-hmm. They tend to be juniors and seniors mm-hmm. at Clemson University, mm-hmm. and uh, so they put them through a rather yeah. rigorous interview process. But many of those ambassadors, in fact, the majority of those ambassadors, are first-generation students themselves. Wow. They come from those nine high schools that it. I mentioned. They get They it. know what the yeah. challenge is, yeah. and they know how to work with those students. Yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah. It doesn't that doesn't happen overnight building something like this. No, it doesn't. 
It, so it doesn't. When you came to Clemson, you just had a plan and you wanted to, to do this? Well, per, uh, I think part of the reason I was hired, mm -hmm. we had done something similar mm -hmm. at the University of Akron. Sure. Um, we had what was called the Black Male Summit mm -hmm. uh, at Akron mm -hmm. when we looked at the demographics of our service area, uh, that there were challenges uh, with young folks graduating. Mm -hmm. We identified young African-American males as, as a challenging demographic. Sure. And uh, that's where we started there. When I came to Clemson, mm -hmm. we looked at the demographics of the state graduation rates around the state mm -hmm. and identified Hispanic and African-American mm -hmm. males as, as a challenging area for graduation from high schools, uh, prison to pipeline, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately yeah. uh, that happens. Young folks uh, get caught up on the streets and, mm -hmm. and uh, may not have a uh, direction because of a, a myriad of issues. Okay. And... Uh, that was one of the reasons that we chose to focus in on Hispanic and African-American males, and we focused in on developing Tiger Alliance. The success of men of color, I know um, TD Center was packed, packed the day I was there. Absolutely. You had Over 26 different states represented the first year. Oh, wow. Um, over 2,148 people uh, just this past April. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, uh, that speaks, quite frankly, that speaks volumes to the leadership of Greenville. Mm -hmm. uh, when we first came and started having these discussions of doing something like this, mm -hmm. we went to the mayor of Greenville, mm -hmm. Mayor Knox White. True leadership. Yes. If you recall around that time, we were coming off of some really major national challenges mm -hmm. that were taking place. Michael Brown, Ferguson, Missouri, mm -hmm. uh, Black Lives Matter, conversations beginning on the national level. Mm -hmm. And um, I give the mayor credit. The mayor said he wanted Greenville to be known as a space where we value all of our young people. We want all of them to succeed. The city got behind it, put dollars behind it, yeah. not just lip service. The county, Greenville County, mm -hmm. got behind it. The superintendent of the Greenville schools, Dr. Burke Royster, yes. got behind it. Mm -hmm. And then all of the major corporations in Greenville mm -hmm. got behind this program and our sponsors of the Men of Color National Summit. Wonderful. It's not Clemson's dollars that are paying for yeah. it. It's the county, the city uh, of Greenville, and the, the many major corporations in this region. Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware that you had such broad support Absolutely. for that program. Absolutely. I knew that it was very successful. Yeah, yeah. But that speaks volumes to leadership. Yeah. Going forward with that program, mm -hmm. I know that you've said we can't take a rest, but we can't rest. Yeah. We must go from That's true. good to better and yeah. better to excellent. Absolutely. What do you hope for that in the future for that program? I, I would love to see, um, because I talk quite often about the talent dividend. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I want all boats to rise. Yes. And, and in, when we graduate more young folks from high school, graduate more more young folks from, from college, mm -hmm. when those young folks get jobs and stay in South Carolina, mm -hmm. build their homes, build their families, pay their taxes, that lifts the state of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I said, I love to call that the talent dividend. Yeah. That's the benefit that you get when you inspire and create an uh, environment mm -hmm. and a state, if you will, where education 
is value, yeah. and that's what uh, that's what I'm hoping to to continue to happen here in in our state. Yeah, I definitely hear that vision. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear to you. Yes, it is. Uh, that yeah. that bigger vision. One of the things that you, um, as I've heard you speak about mm-hmm. diversity mm-hmm. Um, through the years, one of the things that you do that always. Uh, gets my attention and we're on a, a business of innovation podcast yes, so yes. you tie a diversity uh the importance of diversity directly to bottom line results absolutely as you speak to the importance of it and and how businesses should be thinking about it could you talk a little bit about that absolutely okay um one of the things i i think being in being inclusive mm-hmm. building inclusive organizations and inclusive communities I think on one level it's the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. but I would prefer to also look at it from the larger sense that it is also a bottom line Mm -hmm. business benefit that accrues from when you build inclusive organizations. I like to think of diversity and inclusion um, very much like the educational process. You learn it well you'll be rewarded. Mm -hmm. Fail to learn it and be left behind. Mm -hmm. We are in a highly competitive marketplace, Mm -hmm. uh, both uh, both regionally, statewide, and globally. Competitors are out there at all corners, Mm -hmm. and you want the best talent. You want innovation. You want productivity. And to me, uh, creating inclusive environments bring inclusiveness, bring, I should say, bring innovation, Mm -hmm. bring productivity, Mm -hmm. increases creativity, and therefore impacts the bottom line. Um, All of us have competitors. And if the competitor down the street is getting it right Mm -hmm. and you're not, Mm -hmm. that competitor down the street is going to be the one who uh, benefits. And so I I believe that the business case of diversity is is something that we all must understand if we really want to um, have the best and the brightest uh, within our organizations. Absolutely. Yeah. I see you being, in the way you've approached things and the things that you've created, I really see you being pretty creative, really bringing innovation into the work that you've done. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. no other way to describe a men of Thank color mm-hmm. kind of summit. It's Absolutely. way out of the box thinking. Yeah. How would you describe innovation, especially in light of what you just said with mm-hmm. needing all mm-hmm. uh, types of thinking? To me, innovation and, um, um, you know, there's there's adaptive behavior and there's innovative behavior. Mm-hmm. And and uh, at times it's, it's, uh, it's great to... Uh, uh, go along with what has been tried and true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to take business, if you want to take organizations to the next level, I think we have to bring an innovative approach. Mm-hmm. I think we have to look at everything we do, and we need to constantly be retooling. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um, if you think back to uh, when all of the quality efforts uh, mm-hmm. started, mm-hmm. Uh, total quality management and continuous quality improvement. To me, um, what innovation is all about is that you're constantly looking at better ways of solving problems, mm-hmm. looking at issues. You can't, no, you no longer can just sit yeah. and re- rest on your laurels. It is the fact that we have to constantly improve, mm-hmm. innovate, change. Yes. Change is good. Some mm-hmm. folks, yeah. change is scary. But at the end of the day, change is what brings about better opportunities for us all. So to me, innovation is is you need to get up in the morning thinking about 
How can I do what I'm doing, what I've been doing? How can I do that better? So really posing that question absolutely uh, to yourself absolutely i think it basis. starts with us as an individual uh -huh. then when we all come within our organizations mm -hmm. we're all working toward how can we do what we've been doing yesterday how can we improve and do that better every day every day asking that question absolutely um do you consider yourself to be a disruptor um some folks probably consider me to be a disruptor <laughs> i, I had don't to ask that think, question yeah right i don't often think about it uh -huh. um I do know that uh, uh, it's important that when I hear, and I, so I guess maybe this is a little, to some degree, being disruptive. When I hear people say, we've never done it like that before. Mm -hmm. We've never done it like that before. We don't do it like that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a cue to me yeah. that we need to look at doing something differently. Yes. We need to look at breaking the mold pushing the envelope. Mm -hmm. um, and the other part of that is when I say, I hear people say, um, that, won't, that, that won't work. Yeah. Well, that means we're gonna jump right on and we're gonna make this work. <laughs> yeah. And part, part of innovation to me is that, and being a disruptor, uh, using that terminology, mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, there was that old, there's that old saying that you can't change a horse in midstream. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe I can get in midstream, and if I don't see that's working mm -hmm. right, I'm changing, getting on another horse, yeah. and heading still back on toward the shore. I think that's all part of creating an environment mm -hmm. where we're constantly challenging ourselves mm -hmm. to improve and to be better. Absolutely. And that can disrupt organizations to some degree, and yeah. I think that's good. I think organizations need to be jarred. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about you? Is there a time that you find you think more creatively? Is there? Do you put yourself in a particular, when you feel like you're really kind of wrestling with something, mm -hmm. is there anything you do that helps you kind of get out there, think, you know, kind of free your thinking? Is there mm -hmm. a time or place that it happens for you? Mm -hmm. just... Well, I am a, uh, an avid boater. And I used to say I was an avid fisherman just sitting out on the lake. Uh -huh. The fish part doesn't come that easily in terms of catching them. Yeah. So it's the boating part just to be able to get away and to relax, sure. to, to, to kind of retool and kind of reassess and, and, and kind of get away from things and allow mm -hmm. me, my creative juices, uh, to, to flow. Um, I think what I've found over the years is that I love to read. Mm -hmm. I love to gain new information. I, I love to, frankly, since I am a chief diversity officer, mm -hmm. I love diversity. Yeah. I love to be challenged by other people's thoughts uh -huh. and ideas. Um, I'm constantly holding my ideas and thoughts up against others so that I can constantly uh, improve. Mm -hmm. And I often to say to my, my staff and people that I work with, if your idea is better than my idea, mm -hmm. guess who idea we're going to use? Good for Yours. you. Yours. And guess who's going to get credit for it? Yeah. You are. Yes. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. That's uncommon, I think. Yes. yes. Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your um, about your childhood. Mm. And I guess what I'd, I'd like to kind of start out with is, is maybe kind of uh, your birth order and where mm. you grew up. But also I'd love to know, uh, and it sounds like you're Hoosier. We're both mm -hmm. Hoosiers, by yes. the way. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yes, okay. I, absolutely. Okay. And so uh, maybe birth order, childhood challenge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I was... Um, uh, I have had an older brother. Unfortunately, uh, he passed on a few years ago. So there was just two of us. Mm -hmm. I'm the baby. 
Um, my parents uh, were from uh, Mississippi. My dad was from Mississippi. My mom was from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they met in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, like most uh, uh, African-American families uh, during the migration, there was over 6 million African-Americans that migrated from the South to the North. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving Jim Crow to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, also looking for better opportunities mm-hmm. up north. That's where the jobs were at, major manufacturers, yeah. manufacturing uh, companies. And if you notice, when you look at that great migration, uh, the migration occurred along where the railroad tracks are at. So mm-hmm. if you're coming out of Alabama or you're coming out of Mississippi or coming out of Louisiana, you're using the railroad tracks to get up north. Sure. So when you look at where African-Americans settled at, when you see the major urban centers, mm-hmm. uh, the New Yorks and the Detroits and the yeah. Chicagos, follow the railroad tracks up. There's a great book written by Isabel Wilkerson called The Warmth of the Other Sons mm-hmm. uh, that, that chronicles that migration. When my parents migrated, they were on their way to Chicago from Memphis, Tennessee. And um, about 90 miles away from Chicago, they they stopped in this little hamlet community called South Bend, Indiana. Mm -hmm. And there was a company there called Studebakers. You have to be a little older to know that there was a company called Studebakers. (laughs) And my dad got a job at Studebakers. The car. The car. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he got a job there and then he brought up his other brother, and then they, he got a job, and then they brought up the other brother. And soon all five of the Gill family brothers were located in South Bend, Indiana. And because they were from the South, they were used to a rural living mm-hmm. uh, environment. So we lived in South Bend, but in the place that we lovingly called the country. Mm-hmm which meant that we had pigs and chickens and <laughs> cows and hogs and, you know, the whole nine yards and out, no outdoor lights and mm-hmm. roads and, and uh, outdoor facilities and mm-hmm. all of that. And uh, it was a fun way of growing up. Sure. I wouldn't have wanted anything other than that. Although when I took my kids to where Dad grew up, uh-huh. they looked at me like, no, Dad, we're not. <laughs> you can't bring us to a place like this because I used to tease them and tell them we're going to have a farm. Uh, but it was a great, that rural way of living and mm-hmm. growing your own food and mm-hmm. and uh, love of family and, yeah. and love of your uh, your religion and mm-hmm. uh, uh, was very impactful on my yeah. life. And, and quite frankly, I wouldn't be here today if I had not have had that background. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great story. Thank yeah, you for sharing yeah, thank that. You. I've got got a little bit of a visual going yes, on. Yes. So. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's very yes. nice. A family really rich with family and faith is what I hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, uh, church uh, seven days a week. Oh my seven. Oh, yeah. Uh, seven. <gasps> wow. Seven days. Oh, absolutely. And uh-huh. um, uh, that's how I grew up. Now, you know, when you're when you first get away from home, though, and go to college, yeah. uh, your, your behaviors will change a little bit. Uh, yeah. But there was something that mom would always say to myself and my brother, um, we've put a good foundation in you. Oh, absolutely. And the foundation is what mm-hmm. uh, you always maintain. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, I love that uh, about my life. Yeah, that's beautiful. What about, um, was there a childhood challenge anywhere along the way that you would share? Uh, you know, um, that, that's a great question. Uh, I, think, I think for me, seeing uh, early in my life a couple of, couple of childhood challenges. Um, one, um, 
we lived next door to a family that uh, there was a house fire. Mm. Uh, and, and the children of that family were in some uh, similar age to myself, uh, four or five years old. And the young, the children were killed in that fire. Mm-hmm. And that was my first exposure to um, that you can be taken away from here. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand what that all meant. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that was a challenge mm-hmm. that life is not promised. Mm-hmm. It can be fleeting. That was one childhood challenge. The second childhood challenge was because we had come from the South. My parents had come from the South. Mm-hmm. That meant that grandmother and grandfather were down South. Sure. So part of the black experience was that you would go South during the holidays, mm-hmm. summer uh, during a summer break, mm-hmm. out of spring break, out of school, mm-hmm. or you would go South for Christmas because that's where we call a big mama. That's where Big Mama was was at. And so coming from the north to the south, Mm -hmm. um, I I was not aware of all of the, some of the um, uh, racism Mm -hmm. and uh, segregation. Mm -hmm. And I never will forget that uh, we were on our way down south from South Bend, Indiana one time, and you couldn't stop at the hotels. Um, You couldn't um, eat in the restaurants. Mm -hmm. Um, And so part of the experience was that you would pack food and mm-hmm. and as a kid you saw this as an adventure mm-hmm. and and um, but I never will forget the first time that I was told that you can't come in here mm-hmm. and I, a derogatory word was mm-hmm. said to me yeah. and and I said wow I, I didn't quite understand that because I'm from South Bend Indiana yeah where it was different where it was different yeah. absolutely but quite frankly Gil what that did was instill within me the sense of social justice. Mm -hmm. So I decided I want to be a lawyer. And while I had no role models, Mm -hmm. and I had, uh, as I mentioned earlier, no one had gone to college or anything, Mm -hmm. I uh, I watched a TV program early on called Perry Mason. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be a certain age to know who Perry Perry Mason (laughs) was. And uh, uh, that was inspiring to me. And then... um, in 1954, uh, I saw an African-American man come down the steps of the Supreme Court having won the 1954 um, school desegregation case, mm-hmm. Brown v. Board of Education, mm-hmm. and his name was Thurgood Marshall. And I realized that they're black lawyers, too. Yes. Oh, I can really do this. Mm-hmm. And... So the challenge of not knowing that you can do something and then seeing some folks who look like you doing it, mm-hmm. um, that really is another reason why I'm here today. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's really amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you if you would give advice uh, to anyone out there who wants to be more creative, mm-hmm. more innovative mm-hmm. in the work that they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the cause that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for them? Um, let your uh, conscience be your guide. Mm-hmm. Um, n- n- first, get the best education and, and um, surround yourself with people who are... Um, as um, inspiring to you mm-hmm. as you hope you are to others. Uh, I think 
Uh, I remember my mom uh, would always say to to myself and to my brother, uh, you know, you're only good as the people that you put around you, mm -hmm. uh, the people that you listen to, the people that you are speaking with, the people who are speaking into you. And so I would I would say it's important to surround yourself with with a good posse, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I would also say that it is important that you have your own vision and have your you you have a sense of what course you want to follow, mm -hmm. and you let no one say to you that no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot in our lives, all of us, no matter who we are, yeah. where we come from, there's a lot of uh, you can't do that language. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just comes from society in general. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's important to, uh, if you know where you want to go and you've got a vision as to, as to where you want to go, uh, you follow that vision. Mm -hmm. And and uh, don't get off course from that. Yeah. And how did that happen for you when you started to realize, I do want to be an attorney and there are people doing it. It mm -hmm. is possible for me. What was that like? How did you get, how did it unfold for you? Well, you know, that uh, going back to, to those Michigan days with the gentleman I talked to you about, Dr. John Lockhart, that taught in Michigan for 42 years, um, that's why he was a great mentor. Mm -hmm. And I have tried to do that same uh, in my life for other young folks coming up mm -hmm. because we stand on the shoulders of others, all of us. Mm -hmm. We didn't get here by ourselves. And so part of that for me is how am I, how am I living up to persons who have poured into my life? Mm -hmm. Dr. Lockhart poured into my life. How am I living up to that? Yeah. My parents poured into my life. How am I living up to that? Uh, my friends <clears throat> poured into my life. They saw something in me. Mm -hmm. That teacher saw something in me. You know, if I can just kind of come back for a moment. Sure. I never forget first grade um, when my mom dropped me off. Um, and I was scared and, and uh, I'd never been out of that little homogeneous African-American enclave community in the country. Mm -hmm. And now I'm over here in this school <coughs> system with folks who look different than me. Mm -hmm. They were different colored than me. They were Caucasian. And I'm black. And I never will forget, I, my mom left me there and she was walking away and uh, she said, you, know, you got to go to school. This school is good for you. And, I, and I'm used to playing 24 seven. Mm -hmm. But I never will forget my teacher, Mrs. Strands, Caucasian, that when mom left, Mrs. Strands put her arms around me and probably through the day and through that week and through that month, mm -hmm. loved me. Wow. And eventually, I thought Mrs. Strands only loved me. <laughs> That's the mark of a great yes, teacher. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I thought those other 20-some kids in the school, <laughs> they were, she just, they were just walking past. Uh -huh. And that love and what she poured oh, into me. Powerful. Powerful. And, and you know, gave me great, a great love of education yes. oh, uh, wow. also. And what a blessing. So, and so uh, uh, those individuals poured into me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm, it's important and incumbent upon me to pour into other people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. But I'll never forget Mrs. Strands, my first oh. grade teacher. Yeah. yeah, that's special. Absolutely. That's so special. Um, so tell me, um, best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received. Um, don't, um, 
don't let anything stop you from what, what your goals are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you're going to have uh, ups and downs. It's not, a, you know, we learned that a straight line is the shortest distance between two points, mm-hmm. but life doesn't always work that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to go up the hill around the tree and through the valley and swim the deepest ocean and all of that. Uh, but uh, don't, uh, don't let that deter you. Mm-hmm. Um, stay true to yourself and stay true to your course. Um, I think added to that, is really treat people the way you want to be treated, mm-hmm. and I've all I've always tried to follow that as my golden rule. Yeah. Um, I was I was at a company retreat several several months ago, and and actually this is a major corporation, and and the this the CEO of this corporation said something about what they were trying to instill within the culture of their corporation that is always good is. It's always the right time to do right. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best piece of advice. Very nice. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Um, something that you really like about yourself and maybe something that you don't like as much. <laughs> Great question, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I really like about myself. Um, I... Um, I, I have the ability to uh, kind of uh, block things out, mm-hmm. uh, all the noise. Um, uh, I, I have the ability to, uh, it, it may not be succeeding at that particular time, but, but uh, I believe if I keep working at it and keep pushing it and, mm-hmm. and, and work a little harder and work a little harder, uh, that I can accomplish whatever that goal is in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what I, I, I like about myself. Um, what I don't like about myself can be the reverse of that. <laughs> yeah, I quite wonder, frankly. I wonder if you're going there. Yeah, right. <laughs> quite frankly, can be the reverse of that. Um, sometimes you've got to, you, you've got to be able to take a fallback position mm-hmm. and say to yourself, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that could be a little challenging. That yeah. could be a little challenging. Um, but I think I've kind of worked through a great balance sure. of that. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you curious about now? Oh, so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about wanting to see you know, you see young folks graduate from high school, you see them graduate from college. I'm curious about, I'd love to see them five, ten years from now mm-hmm. in their careers. I'm oh, curious yeah. about that. I'm curious about my own next phase mm-hmm. uh, of, of, of life yes. and of what my goals are. Yes. Um, I know that um, part of my goals are wanting to start a charter school uh, in South Bend, Indiana, oh, because there were... There's, like in any community, there's young folks who can become trapped. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, to, to get out of that situation yeah. and go to a Michigan and on to law school. But there's some young folks who can't. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to go back and get those folks. Mm-hmm. And what better place, better way to do that is to begin a charter school. Yes. And we're going to begin in the eighth grade mm-hmm. um, and go all the way up to graduating from, from high school. Mm-hmm. And so I want to work with that population. Uh, so that's uh, 
what I'm, I'm curious about. I got to put yeah. all that together and how this that's is all exciting. going to work and work. You know, oh, that's how exciting. that all turns out. What a wonderful yeah. next goal for yeah. you. Yeah. That's really yeah. exciting. Um, how do you want to be remembered? Mm. Tried to do my best. Mm -hmm. um, made my mom and dad proud. Yeah. Uh, they're buried in a cemetery in South Bend, Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one day I'll be next to them, mm -hmm. along with my brother. And so I, uh, that's a great question. That uh, You kind of got me going on that one. Yeah. Um, made them proud. Made them proud, yeah. yeah. Well, you have made us proud at Clemson University, Lee. You've done so many amazing things here, and hearing your vision for your students and where you want them to go beyond mm. graduation. Yeah. And I loved hearing about your charter school. That just yeah. would be a, a wonderful full circle yeah. project for yeah. you. So it'll be you. really uh, fun to see what you do with that. But um, thank you so much for thank the you. time here. Thank it was, you, it was a blessing to have it's you. a blessing for me as well. Thank I you. I didn't mean to tear up on you on that one. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Well, you will be remembered in a okay. special way. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you, Gail, for this opportunity. You're so welcome. This episode was produced by 9-8 Central and the Clemson University MBA program sponsored by the Pfeiffer Innovation Hub. Thanks for listening to the Business of Innovation. Hear more stories at www.clemson.edu slash MBA slash podcast.